Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We're in a series of uh, teachings entitled, entitled Imagine. Everyone say Imagine. Imagine is a word that is used in the Bible, and it has a family of words that we're dealing with. Those family of words are words like dream, vision, see, open heart, future, destiny, will of God, capacity for what the Lord wants to do in you. All these words come into play as we speak about this one word, imagine. I'm simply motivated to get you to think about your life. I want you to begin to imagine what God might want to do in and through you from this point on. I want you to enlarge your vision. I want you to enlarge your dream. I want you to grasp what God has for your life, not just what you see yourself. If I can nudge you just a little bit toward the issue of lifting the lid off of your mind and lifting the lid off of your spirit, I would have accomplished my goals in this series. If I could get you just to reach out a little bit in your heart, maybe a whole bunch. But if I can get you just to move one step closer to reaching out and saying, there's more for me, there's more for my life. I can't imagine what the Lord wants to do. I won't live just by my past. I have a dream. I want to see what God sees from my life. For you to move that direction is all that I'm after, at least to get everybody to think that way and to imagine what God might want to do in your life and with your life. The word imagine in this series, we've done four. This is the fifth message. We've talked about imagine being a dream word. It's a dream word. We talked about Solomon and God appeared to Solomon in the night by a dream. And God puts to him an awesome question. Ask Anything you want, and I'll give it to you. If you will ask anything, I will give it to you. And Solomon, of course, asked big, and God went bigger. Now, this is something you need to underline in your notes and in your spirit. God wants to do more for you than you can see for yourself. God has more for you than what you could imagine for yourself. Most of us do not see ourselves as the kind of person that will go beyond. Or the kind of person that will actually accomplish a lot. Or the kind of person that will have great impact upon life and upon people. Most of us have a little lower vision for our life. Most of us have a little lower idea of what we can accomplish. So God comes along through the encounter we have with Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. And God begins to lift our dreams. says, now come on, ask big. If God would come to you and simply say, ask anything you want. Now, you might shut me down right there and say, well, it's it's not fair to say that to us, Frank, because we can't ask God for anything. But the Bible says you can't. Now, the Bible doesn't say you will get everything. The Bible doesn't say that anything you ever ask, you will get every single thing. But the Bible does say have an anything mentality. The Bible does say, throw the boundary lines out further. If God would say, ask a few things, and I will choose which few of those few I will do for you, then we will bring the boundary lines back, and we will ask a few things, and then we will know that God will choose even 
less than what we've asked and we end up with this little bit here. God says, no, I want you to let it go. I want you to ask anything that's in your heart. I want you to begin to throw the line as far as you can throw it. I want you to build the boundary lines and the fence as far out as you can imagine. And let me decide how I will bring that to pass. Let me decide how I will move it around. Well, when that happens, you open your spirit and you begin to imagine other things. You begin to think, okay, if resource isn't the problem, if geographics isn't the problem, if I'm not the problem, if nothing is the problem, if I could just ask anything, now you're talking about imagining. Now you're talking about the thing we're talking about, getting into the mind of God. The second thing we did was we talked about imagine as a faith word. You cannot move into the realm of accomplishing dream and vision without faith. So imagine as a faith word. We talked about Hebrews 11 verse 1 that imagine is that title deed that actually you have the title deed before the car is ever built. You have the title deed before the house is ever built. Matter of fact, before the house even goes to the architect, you already own it. That's what the promises of God are like. It's a title deed, but you have to have faith for that because it's not tangible. You actually can't describe it to someone, baby, in details of, of tangibility. This is really what it looks like and feels like because it's just in your heart. It's something that you see in the future, but you have to possess it in the now. Third, we talked about imagine is a God thought. When God brings a thought to our life, things begin to change. God can drop one thought that will change your entire direction. A God thought's a pretty heavy thing. A God thought's a pretty dangerous thing. Sometimes I receive God thoughts and there's so much of a change or a shaping power in my life or a challenge or a sacrifice. I like to leave the God thought alone for a while. And maybe if I don't talk about it, God won't bring it up again. Have you ever gone through that? Maybe if I don't tell someone, maybe if I don't even pray it out loud, maybe if I just kind of tuck it into the back of my mind and say, God, Maybe you'll change your mind on that one because we, we just won't talk about it for a couple of years because that's not a thought I want to deal with. You, you just kind of forget about it. And so one day God comes back and says, hey, by the way, Frank, you know that thought? Yeah, I didn't forget. Rats, I thought you forgot. I guess that's not in the nature of God to forget. But there are some thoughts that change our lives so radically we like to just let them go for a while. And that's how the Lord moves in our life. He lets that thought kind of rota chill and he sows it as a seed and then he waters it. And then after a while, some circumstances come along and help it come to pass. And before you know it, you're thinking the God thought, even though you've come a long ways to be equipped to even have that God thought in your life. Fourth, we talked about imagine is a Holy Spirit work. You cannot do what I'm talking about without the Holy Spirit. Imagine as a Holy Spirit work. We talked about spirit, soul and body. In your soul, you have mind, will, and emotions. Those are great faculties, and they have capacity. In your mind, your will, and your emotions to serve God. In your spirit, you have another triad or triunity. You have three things that function in your spiritual man. Intuition, which gives you the ability to receive things from God that actually bypasses the mind sometimes. You also have that faculty of communion where you can actually have a core. That is, you have a relationship with God in your core. And that communion so fills your life, it sets your priorities. Now, if you've never had a communion with God, it's going to be hard for you to dream. If you've never had a communion with God, it's going to be hard for you to obey. If you've never had communion with God, that is a true spiritual encounter. It's not just coming to church. It's not just going through the motions of religion. Religion is a very boring thing if you don't have a God encounter. 
It's not just fulfilling some kind of a goal that you set for yourself religiously, attend church, give my money and live my life and treat my spouse right and raise my kids. And hey, I'm doing pretty good. And that is pretty good according to most people's standards. But if you encounter God and you commune in that core part of your heart and that intuition part of you starts receiving revelation of God, you'll go beyond what you see in the natural and you begin to move into the supernatural. You begin to move into the kingdom of God realm. You begin to live a different life. Why? Because in you is the ability to commune with God and the voice of God comes with that communion. That's in your spiritual man. You have intuition, you have communion, and you have conscience. Your conscience is that ability to make good spiritual decisions. If your conscience gets messed up, you're going to have a hard time being a dreamer. You're going to have a hard time being an imaginer. You're going to imagine the wrong things. You're going to dream the wrong thing. You're going to build your life on the wrong thing. Why? Because you've got to have a clear conscience. It's got to be purged with the blood of Jesus and bitterness and unforgiveness gone and immorality or sensuality gone or any kind of twisting of God's principles gone. So there's a real clear ability for you to hear the voice of God and make good decisions. A clear conscience gives you the ability to make good decisions. And when you make good decisions, you live your dream better. And so your spiritual man has to be healthy. Now, this morning, we're talking about imagine is a vision word, a vision word. Imagine is a vision word. We've touched on dream just a tiny bit to start the series. Now we want to touch on vision a little bit more. Imagine is a vision word. Now, here's my definition In a conceptual way, not just a dictionary, just taking the language of the word vision itself and defining it, but just in a conceptual way, here's a great definition for vision. All right, here we go. The act or power of seeing with the eyes of the heart. Your inner man has eyes. Paul calls it, in Ephesians 1.17, the eyes of your understanding, your inner man being enlightened, open, revelation, intuition. Communion. There's something that pops open inside of you and you begin to understand things. You begin to see things you didn't see before. Why? Because you see them with your heart. You don't see them just with your natural eyes. You see them with your heart. Some people live their whole life and never see things with their heart. They see things with their natural mind, with their past, with their talents, with their life, with their routine. But they don't think with their heart. If you don't think with your heart or see with your heart, you won't have passion. You won't have that energy that comes with the passions of the heart to live out the dream. Helen Keller was asked, what is worse than being blind? Her response was to have sight with no vision. There are many blind people that live their life with their eyes wide open. They can see everything you can see right now. They have resource. They have talent. They have health. They have a good mind. And they can live their life. But she says, and this is what I'm saying this morning, you can have all the natural faculties fully engaged, but if you don't have a vision of the heart, you're blind. And you will grope and stumble at life. You will not fulfill what God has for you. The after power of seeing with the eyes of the heart causing anticipation, expectation, fixing the eyes on a future mark, the big idea, the dream, the personal Mission. What is it? We are made in the image of God, which means we're forward, purposeful, living people. We don't live in the past. We're made in the image of God. We are forward, purposeful, living people. 
And to do that, you have to have an encounter with God. Your heart has to receive the eyes of the Holy Spirit. And then you have to see the big idea. What's the big idea about your life? What is it that makes you get up in the morning? What is it that makes you the happiest person on earth? What is it that makes you so unique that your passions, when they're fulfilled, cause you such joy because that uniqueness in you has matched with the passions and the things you do in life? And that's what you want to do. Now, it's not what other people want to do. They might look at you and say, I don't understand why you're so happy about feeding the poor or or, uh, being involved with kids ministry or being involved in the business world or being involved in writing or, uh, you know, how do you get joy out of being a banker? Well, you get to handle everybody else's money and I just dream about it. I'm close to wealth. Who knows what it might be that pushes your button, that causes you to understand this is the calling of God for me. There's one thing to have talents. It's another thing to have God's vision. Now, God's vision is what will propel you into the future. Vision. A person without a future, now listen, will always return to their past. Because that's all they have. The past is more real to them than their future. The past is more safe. The past is more prophetic, predictable. And so they are doomed to live their past and relive their past until they get vision. Vision gives us a future. It doesn't matter what past we had. It doesn't matter what circumstance we've gone through. It doesn't matter what race we've lived in. It doesn't matter what ethnic uh, race I'm in. doesn't matter my family tree background. doesn't matter. None of those things really have any bearing on vision. Two brothers. This is a true story. The newspaper wanted to interview a homeless drunk and a successful businessman. They were brothers. So the newspaper went to the homeless drunk and simply asked the man in the interview, which they ran on TV. How did you get here? What happened to you? Why are you the way you are? The homeless man rambled about several things, but he nailed it on this. He said, the reason I'm a homeless drunk is because of my no good for nothing drunken father. That's why I'm here. My no good father never gave me any relationship, never gave me any reason for living. He was a no good drunk, and that's why I'm a no good drunk. They went to the successful businessman, brother of the homeless man, said, Sir, how did you get here? What happened? Why? He said a few things. And then he looked directly at the newsman and said, There's one main reason why I'm here. Because of my no good, drunken father. Newsman says, How's that? My no good, drunken father gave me a vision of what I did not want to become. And I made a decision I would never be like him, that I would never violate my family and violate my body and violate my mind the way he did. I made a decision, and I put that vision out in front of my life, and my father is the one who really motivated me to become a successful man. You see, it has nothing to do with your circumstance. It has nothing to do. You cannot blame shift. America has a degree in blame shifting. We have done it so well. We want to blame everybody for our problem. We want to 
blame our city. We want to blame the mayor. We want to blame the governor. We want to blame the politicians. We want to blame our president. If that doesn't work, then we start down the family tree. We want to blame our father who didn't take me fishing enough and didn't come to my ball games and he didn't do this for me and that's why I'm a little twisted and weird and my mother, you know, she spanked me too many times and made me drink milk that was past the expiration date and, and that's what's wrong with me. You know, there was... I have these problems because my mother and my father and then my bad uncle and, you know, my boss is a real mean guy and I had a bad coach in school and one of my teachers and, and you know, my life is messed up and I can't really live in the future because uh, of my race. I'm African-American or I'm Chinese or Japanese or uh, I'm Caucasian mixed or I'm Hispanic and I have all... Everybody has a number of excuses. Now, we're so into blame shifting that we're suing people are suing the fast food chain stores, the McDonald's and the other. Why? Because their food has destroyed my body. And so I'm suing them. This is going on right now. People are suing McDonald's and suing these other places. Why? Because McDonald's has made crummy food, unhealthy food. Well, does that mean McDonald's came by every morning, knocked on the door? I opened the door. Two McDonald's guys jumped on top of me. The third one pried my mouth open with a little McDonald's hamburger jack that pries people's mouths open. And they start stuffing hamburgers down my mouth, closed my mouth and made me eat them. And they've done that for two years. And now I am a wreck. I'm going to sue them. You stop. You eat. You put the French fries in your mouth. You drink the gallons of Coke. You're the one stuffing your body with all the fat and all the grease and all the weird stuff. It's you that's the problem. It's not McDonald's and it's not your father. It's you. Take responsibility for your vision. Take responsibility for your dream. Don't blame Chip. Why? It will not get you anywhere. You'll be the same place 20 years from now. Blame shifting to someone else. The school. Well, I would have passed, but the teacher gave me bad grades. I had my, all my kids give me the same story. It's the teacher's fault. Why? Because the teacher gave me a bad grade. I said, you earned it. You earned this bad grade. You turned your assignments in late. You wrote crummy papers. You missed too many classes. You're the winner. Not the teacher. Not the school. It's the student. It's the man. It's the woman. It's you and I. You want to have a future? You take responsibility like that brother did and say, you know what? I won't do that. And your decision puts you on a different track with a different vision. Now, here's a, a poem that I carried in my wallet for oh, years and years and years. It was given to me by a woman, pastor's wife, whom... They, Leonard Fox and Rosella, she's now in heaven and Leonard's in his 80s still preaching. They were probably my first real pastors. One day when I was about 18, 19, I was at her house in her kitchen and I was pouring out my life to her about my not having a clear vision. I didn't know whether I should be a business person, go to junior college and, and keep going. I was in junior college at that point at Valley Community College of San Bernardino, and I didn't know if I should keep doing that or if I could change over to Bible school or if I should uh, go into a trade thing or if I... I had all these things that were bothering me and I couldn't get a handle on it. And so I was pouring my life out to Rosella 
And she reached over and she grabbed a little blank card off the sink there. And she, she came over and she put it down. And she, she was left-handed, so she was sitting like that. And she was talking to me and writing. And she wrote this poem out. Here's the poem. Great is it to believe in a dream when you stand in life by a stormy stream. But greater is it to live life through and say in the end, the dream is true. She got my attention with these words. Frank, if you could go to the end of your life and come back, what would you want to end with? That got me. As a 19-year-old, that got me. I said, what do you mean, go to the end of my life? How do I do that? She said, just imagine if you have lived for 50 years and you're now 70. You know, I was about 20 then. She said, so 50 years from now, you're 70, 75, 80, 85, and you're looking back over your life. Would you have a clear enough dream to say, great is it to believe in a dream when you stand in life by a stormy stream? A lot of storms in life, a lot of curveballs, a lot of things happen. But greater is it to live life through and say in the end, the dream was true. Boy, I lived for that dream. Most of us will have a time before we die to reflect. It might be on our deathbed. What I'm saying to you right now will save you from having a bad deathbed. Bad experience. What I'm saying to you right now could cause you not to have a life of regrets, tears that are shed because of all that didn't happen. What I'm saying to you right now is your dream should carry you through life. And you should be able to say at the end of life, at the end of the dream, what a journey. What a way to live. Would you like to do it over again, Frank? I'd change a couple things, but you know what? It's been awesome. I made the right decisions. What were they? Well, one of the first decisions I made, number one, that changed my whole life, I would serve the local church. Changed my life. I could have served a lot of things, but I chose I'll serve. I mean, as a young man, commit myself as a working young man, be in church, I serve. That church, I also made a decision to uh, not live selfishly, that I would go ahead and serve other people. I taught in children's program, junior high, high school, college. I've done every imaginable thing you can think of from feeding the poor to delivering food. You name it, I probably have done it. Why? Because I like doing it. Not because somebody talked me into it and threatened me that I would lose my salvation if I didn't help them feed the poor. But I had something in my heart to serve other people. I made a decision early on that I would follow wise counsel. I would listen to people that were wiser than me. And I would obey their counsel even when it didn't set well with me. I made a decision early on that I would respect authority. That there would not, nothing in my mind or heart bring disrespect to people that were over me or people around me. I would respect authority. I made a decision early on that I would try to lead people to Christ and preach the gospel. And that led me into Bible college and into pastoring. But it wasn't pastoring that led me into pastoring. It was people that led me into pastoring. It wasn't the call itself. It was what the call does in people's lives. And so I had a vision. I have a dream. Now, there was a time when I realized that I won't fulfill all the dream that I have. I remember when it happened. I remember the day it happened. When I realized... All the things I wrote down, all the things I wanted to do, time was against me. I wouldn't do them. 
There was no way to fulfill every one of them. So at 38 years of age, I had to start redoing some of my dreams, start making sure I did hit certain targets and let some targets go because I wanted to fulfill these. And so I wanted to make sure that that dream would become reality. What about you? Could you answer these questions? What did my life add up to? Did it really matter what I did and lived for? What did I live for? Who will remember me and what will they say? What will I leave behind that is greater than myself? Other people might take it. Well, all of that has to do with what you do right now. If you're not right now preparing to do that, you're probably not going to do it when you're 70 or 80. Acts 26:19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Everyone listening to this message via iPod, DVD, CD, services, however you find this message, you have a vision that God wants to give you. There is a supernatural encounter God wants to have with you. There's a heavenly spiritual something to drop into your soil that you might see and with your heart pursue. Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. The Bible has a lot to say about a wanderer and a vagabond and a stumbler and a groper and a path that's dark. There's a lot of scriptures that speaks about these kind of people. Obscurity, can't see, can't decide, double-minded. Their life is unfruitful. When they get to heaven... They're saved so as by fire. There's nothing left but their salvation. But they did get saved. But they have nothing else. I don't want you to be that kind of person. Not under my watch. Not under my ministry. Not under my preaching. I want you to be a person that has a heavenly vision. Turn to your neighbor right now and say to that person right now, you have a heavenly vision coming your way. Come on. You have a heavenly vision coming your way. Isaiah 46 and verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. Now, this is the God you serve. You have the rare privilege of serving not a fortune teller, not a person who throws darts at your future, but a God who knows every detail about your life. Matter of fact, God creates you and he works from your deathbed backwards. Because he's Alpha and Omega. We can only see one way. God turns and looks back the other way. That's why he can foreknow, predestinate, and speak about your life in prophecy or vision or dream or knowledge or whatever. Because he looks from the other direction. He knows exactly what's coming your way. He knows exactly where the crossroads are. He knows exactly where you have to make pivotal right decisions. And he's there to help you. How many of you are thrilled today that God's ready to help you with your future? Wow, wouldn't it be overwhelming if you had to do all this yourself? Wouldn't it be overwhelming if you thought it was up to your IQ or up to your righteousness, how good you could be? Then God would say, okay, I'll lead you a little better. 
Thank God. It's by grace, by wisdom, and by God's love for us. Now, let me give you, in the last couple minutes here, let me give you the seven types of vision people. Find yourself on one of these. They're, they're very simple. And then you can rototill it with your own praying. And you can ask yourself a couple questions. Which one of these am I? First of all, there's what we call the no vision people. The Proverbs 29:18, where there is no vision, no revelation, no intuition, no encounter. There's nothing in them to receive. These are people that walk in darkness, make poor decisions, and are unfruitful. And at the end of their life, they look back and say, I don't know what happened. It, it was so fast. It's like a whirlwind. Now, when I look at what happened, boy, if I had to do it over again, I'd take a lot of different trails than what I did. These are people that have lived their whole life without ever stopping and saying, God, what is your vision? Second, there are people with little vision. Why do they have little vision? They've never stopped to apprehend the greatness of God. They've never stopped to really talk to themselves about the goodness of God. They've never taken the faith scriptures of the Bible and the great scriptures of the Bible and applied them to their own life and start lifting their vision outside of themselves, outside of the limitations they put on themselves, and stretching their life out. Henry Ford said, I'm looking for a lot of men with an infinite capacity for not knowing what can't be done. I'm looking for people that have a capacity well, you have a capacity in the Holy Spirit to take the limitations off your life. Third, there are people that live with a confused vision. A confused vision is one that comes from a double-minded person. They go a little ways on this kind of a dream and a vision, desire and a motivation, then they change. And they come back and then they start going down another road. And then they get confused about that road, and then they do a third road. Then when they have three roads all converging, they try to decide which one is right. And they get different counsel from different people trying to decide what they should do. And they're confused about it. I talk to people that are 50 years old, 20 years old, 15 years old, and 70 years old that can still fall into this category. They're confused about what they should be doing. I feel sorry for them. I like to take and shake the confusion out of them and say, look, it, it's time for you to nail this. It's time for you to quit trying different roads and arguing with yourself and always vacillating and what if and what about and I'm not sure. and Oh, I have this tension. I feel like a spiritual schizophrenic. You are. You are. You're double-minded. The word double-minded means there's two souls in you, two sets of mind, two sets of will, two sets of emotion. And you go back and forth with them. You've got to nail it. If you're called to be in the marketplace, get into the marketplace and do it. Be the best marketplace business person you can imagine. If you're called to get into the medical world, get in and nail it young. Get your degree young. Get when you're 17, 18, get your high school credits already in there. Get on with school. By the time you're 27, 28, or 35, when you finally finish your last medical degree, you're ready to go to work. Instead of starting with your 35 and then vacillating back and forth and then you have a couple of kids and you're not sure and you can't afford it, you've got to nail it sooner. You've got to know what the vision is. Get rid of confusion. Get rid of double-mindedness. Find a secure place in God where you say, this is what I'm supposed to do. It is known that successful people, most of them, the reason they are successful is because they start younger. They have a longer time to be successful. 
people that go back and forth for a long time have a less reason to be successful because you're losing precious time. All right, number four, people with a wrong vision. If you live with a wrong vision, it simply means you have a wrong core. That is, your value system, your values, your priorities, your principles, the reason that you live, the way you live, your core can be wrong. In your core, if you're living for yourself, you have a wrong vision, according to the kingdom of God. Now, the world will not say that. The kingdom of God is different. If your core has no integrity, and you will cross, step, cheat, do, climb, however it happens, your core will put you into a wrong vision. Your core has to change. Next, people with a vague vision. These are people that live life in a fog. They have a little bit of a vision, but it's like driving your car on I-5 or any freeway or a place where you run into fog and you slow way down to 5 miles an hour from 55 miles an hour. Why? Because you can't see and you're afraid you're going to bump into someone and you just kind of creep along. What's it feel like when you finally drive out of the fog and all of a sudden there's that long freeway ahead of you and you push that throttle down and your car takes off and you're making good time? You feel so good. I don't know how you feel in the fog, but I hate driving in the fog. I am an impatient person. I don't like anything that slows my car down. I just want to get out of the fog. I want to bump the person in front of me. Maybe they're slowing down too much. I just want to get... But boy, what a feeling when the fog lifts and you hit the throttle. You're down the freeway. I want you to hit the throttle with a clear vision. Come out of the fog and hit that throttle and say, Come on, man. Break the speed limit. Get a kingdom ticket, but go for God. Get moving. Get moving. All right? Next, some people live someone else's vision. Now, this is very real and something you need to consider and pray about. You might be living a vision that mom and dad put on you, but it wasn't God. Or a teacher or a friend or the world or some counselor in a, you know, coding you out and doing the question answer with you said, okay, this is where you fit the best, but you have no passion. You know what? There are places that you fit with talent that you don't fit with passion. See, there are some things I could do very well, but I have no passion for them. Now I'm equipped mentally and I have capacity to do that particular job, but I don't want to do that job. Why? My heart says, stay away from that. But the world says, or someone else, hey, you're equipped to do this. You should go all the way in this. And some people start going through the hoops only to find out, I hate my job. Why did I get into this? Because someone said I was good at it and it would be a great job for me. Well, then if it's not your heart passion, get out of it and do what your passion is. Now, I didn't say quit your job this week. I didn't say go home and tell your parents Okay, Pastor Frank said, I don't have to do what you just said. Now, I never said that. But I do think you need to consider your heart and talk about it. With, with my three older children, every single one of them, as we've counseled them and what they could become, none of them have actually done what we've counseled. None of them. Why? Because you try to find their abilities and their passions and what they can do, what they want to do. And pretty soon you finally get down to what they will do. 
and really what's in their heart and really what they want to give themselves to. And it might be totally different than what you're thinking about. So it is with our life sometimes. We end up serving someone else's idea. Don't do it. And then last of all, there's a vision that comes from God. There's God's vision. There's the bullseye. There's the target that God wants you to hit. There is a vision God has for your life. Can I hear an amen? There is a vision that will make you happy. There's a vision that your heart will leap out of your body saying, come on, man, this is what we were born for, Frank. Let's do it. And you match up with life, passion, heart, will of God, and you start putting your talents to work before you know it. You're so filled with energy. You're so filled with with that motivation that everyone wanted you to have. Why? Because you're now tapping into the rhythm of your dream. Boy, things begin to happen when you tap into your dream.